For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Welcome, it is Eric Erickson here. Glad to have you with me. The phone number, you want to be on the show today? 877-973-7425. Had a fantastic night last night with some friends. Uh, probably was out a little too late, but it was it was a good time. Um, and now i got to figure out what I'm going to talk about. <laughs> I actually know, out of the gate. Um, it, one of the things you learn over time when you do something like talk radio and, and really yourselves as you pay attention over time you you realize that more and more the biggest stories are the stories where the it's about the media itself the media loves nothing more than to report on the media itself and so the big story the one everybody's talking about we will get to the the defense appropriations act we will get to the, the stock market and the Fed will get to interest rates, we'll get to all of that, but it actually is the story that is percolating out there. And, and the reason, the real reason is because it's the media talking about the media, but there's a side angle to it that I actually think is really important. And this is about James Bennett. James Bennett is uh, the editor of The Economist magazine. But before James Bennett moved to The Economist and, and wrote its Lexington column, among other things, if his name sounds familiar, James Bennett was the editorial page editor of The New York Times and got fired, forced to resign in the parlance, because he had the audacity in 2020 to publish the op-ed from Senator Tom Cotton suggesting the president call out the National Guard to quell the riots after the, the George Floyd situation. Are we truly so precious? It's a question asked by Dean Baquette, the executive editor of the New York Times, uh, as people were clamoring after Tom Cotton's op-ed for the New York Times to take it down, delete it. The staff was upset. Oh, we're all going to, this is violence against the press, they said. And they drove James Bennett out. He had published pieces by progressives who wanted to defund the police. He had published pieces by those who wanted to quell the riots and those who thought it was, was justified. Here comes a sitting United States senator who has the ear of the White House and the support of a majority of the American public who writes send in the National Guard. And the editorial page editor of the New York Times got fired for publishing a widely supported view from a United States senator in the majority party who had the ear of the White House. And it was absurd. So the, the bigger issue here, and, and the reason this is a big story, is because you see it in the shaping of the coverage of everything else out there. Like, for example, so Gavin Newsom is out there. My buddy Bill sent me this email this morning for me, the story. Gavin Newsom, 
the governor of California is out making a big deal that if you are anti-woke, you're actually anti-black. That's it. That, that's Gavin Newsom's shorthand. If you're against woke, you're racist. Much of the media believes that's the truth. If you're, if you're against woke, you're a racist. So much of the American media believes that. And it all comes back to something James Bennett points out in his Economist editorial this morning. That the press, particularly the New York Times, has moved from liberalism to illiberalism. Liberalism lets all the opinions into the town square and the free marketplace of ideas lets everyone gravitate to the opinion they like. And you may go in one direction, I may go in a different direction, and the majority prevails. Illiberalism means you silence those views that you disagree with. So you take illiberalism and you add to it a separate component, he points out, that at the New York Times in particular, and liberal journalists as a whole, they value collective rights over individual rights. Because in the woke era, and that doesn't mean I'm racist because wokeism is not what Gavin Newsom thinks it is, in the woke era, in the era of critical theory and intersectionalism, Individual rights gives white people a preference. You see, individual rights are bad, according to the left. The reason is because individual rights are what our founders in this country believed in and wove into the fabric of the Declaration of Independence and wove into the fabric of the Constitution, wove into the fabric of the government. Our founders believed in individual rights. All men are created equal. They are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights among these life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That is individually, not collectively. And so in critical theory, which again, it's important to understand is derived from Marxism. It really is important to understand. It is derived from Marxist intellectual thought from Karl Marx. I'm not saying communist because I don't want you to think it's Soviet or anything like that, but Marxist ideology believes individual rights are bad because it allows some individuals by virtue of intellect, IQ, benefit, family, whatever, to get ahead of others, and that's bad. So collective rights are good, individual rights are bad. And the left, do you see it reflected in the New York Times' 1619 Project and others, believes that individual rights helps white people. Therefore, it's bad. If it advances the interests of white people, it's bad. Because white people are what? Colonizers. White people are what? oppressors. Thus you have the problem with modern media. Having elevated the collective over the individual, this is why the poor girl who gets beat out by the boy in girl sports is the bad guy. Because transgender students are more likely to be oppressed than non-transgender students. Therefore, the transgender students' collective rights outweigh the individual rights of the girl trying to get a scholarship to go to college. So when the New York Times runs a story, the New York Times elevates the trans kid over the other. Look at the story out of Washington State. In Washington State in Seattle, a kid has failed a test in school because he accurately and truthfully answered that men cannot get pregnant. And he was failed for saying men cannot get pregnant. This is in a public school in Seattle. Ladies and gentlemen, get your kids out of public schools if you can. Government schools are indoctrinating kids. Notice how much of the national media has not even pushed back on this. Now, uh, I think it was either the Southern Poverty Law Center, I think, 
the other day came out and, and noted that um, the, the groups that push back against transgender pseudoscience are themselves engaged in pseudoscience to prop up um, whiteness and other things. Actually, this totally bizarre statement, I think it was the other Poverty Law Center, essentially what they're doing on the left now is they're saying pseudoscience is science and science is pseudoscience so that they can prop up the collective interests of the trans community and others. You see this woven throughout the fabric of how the media is covering things. The media will cite the, the these groups that says, well, biology is pseudoscience. We can't believe biology because it's pseudoscience. And it all goes back to the central premise of what James Bennett is putting out about the New York Times, that too much of the press and too much of the left has moved from liberalism to illiberalism. Where in illiberalism, you must silence dissent. Because you think the views are harmful, the views are bad, therefore you can't allow those views into the public. Say what you will about the New York Times, but it used to allow those dissenting views. Bennett says, for example, the Times could learn something from the Wall Street Journal. He writes, the Wall Street Journal has kept its journalistic poise. It's maintained a stricter separation between its news and opinion journalism, including its cultural criticism, which has protected the integrity of its work. The Times problem has metastasized from liberal bias to illiberal bias, from an inclination to favor one side of the national debate to an impulse to shut down debate altogether. Now, again, it's important for you to, to understand the context here. Yes, this is a big story from the ousted editorial page editor of the New York Times, who's now at The Economist, writing particularly about the New York Times. But his point is that this is a broader critique of the media than it is the New York Times because so much of the media itself has engaged in this. And so, therefore, we descend into the news headlines of the day. The mayor of Boston decided to have a party for Christmas no whites allowed. That's right. No whites allowed at the Christmas party. This is the New York Post. Boston Mayor Michelle Wu is not dreaming of a white Christmas. An invite concerning the Boston Mayor's holiday party, specifically for electeds of color, was mistakenly, mistakenly sent by an aide to all members of the Boston City Council. Fifteen minutes later, the aide, Denise Dos Santos, who serves as the mayor's director of city council relations, blasted out a follow-up email flagging the embarrassing error. I want to apologize for my previous email regarding a holiday party for tomorrow. The white councilors were not supposed to receive an invite. I did send this to everyone by mistake, and I apologize if my email has offended some. Sorry for any confusion. So there are six minority and seven white members, and there was supposed to be a holiday party with no whites allowed. And notice it's a holiday party, not a Christmas party. The left is profoundly broken in that it has become profoundly racist. And the racism of the left shapes its journalism and shapes its coverage of politics, shapes its coverage of the world, shapes its coverage of culture, shapes its coverage of everything. I get asked more now than ever before, what do you read? Where, where do you go to get your news? And my answer is, I got to read everything. 
because the New York Times news reporting is still good, but also its cultural critiques are woven into so much of its news that you then got to go read the Wall Street Journal to see what was left out or see what was twisted. And from the Wall Street Journal, then you got to go read Politico to, to see the, the partisan angles. And from Politico, you got to go read the dispatch to see how the Politico twisted stuff into the partisan favor of the left. You, you got to just keep reading and reading and reading, going down rabbit hole after rabbit hole to figure out what the heck is going on. I understand why so many people descend into conspiracy theories these days because you can't believe the reporters who should just be reporting the truth. And you can't believe the reporters who should be reporting the truth because they are progressive reporters descended into illiberalism where they wish to silence the views they are afraid will offend themselves or others instead of just telling you what everybody thinks and letting you decide for yourself. And the bottom line is this. People do not trust the media anymore because the media no longer trusts the people. Democratic politicians are trusted less and less because people realize those politicians don't trust the people. The Republican establishment is no longer trusted by its base because the base realizes the Republican establishment doesn't trust the base. There's a deficit of trust in this country, and it comes from the disdain of the elite for the masses of people. The elite who have elevated credentialism and the idea that without your degree from the Ivy League, you're really just a hick and a rube, and oh, you got a college degree, but it's not prestigious enough, back of the bus for you. These people have redesigned a world to give themselves every advantage and then expect to dictate the terms of the world to you. They can't do that in a republic particularly one with our democratic institutions, which is why all these people who bellyache about Donald Trump trying to destroy democracy, they're perfectly happy to destroy democracy to keep you from power. They just don't want someone at the authoritarian level with an R next to their name. They want a progressive elite. And they'll use the media institutions of America to shape the news, to give them what they want. And in the process, leave on the cutting room floor the very thing they're supposed to do, the truth, the reporting of it. When the world seems crazy, he'll keep you sane. It's the Eric Erickson Show. Get the podcast, live stream, email, and social media links by texting Eric to 33777 now. Hello there, welcome. It is Eric Erickson. The phone number 877-973-7425. Should you wish to be on the program, happy to have you with me. I, I'm still really, I, I'm, I'm kind of flabbergasted by this. Uh, mayor of Boston deciding a no whites allowed holiday party. Uh, she, she by the way, defended um, the whole thing. Uh, let's see, um, admitted it was a mistake that every member received the invitation, uh, but then decided to defend it and continue with the party. Can you imagine? Well, of course you can't because, well, I mean, you know what would happen if there was a whites-only party. This is just impressively racist. But progressives are okay with it. Look at what's happening on college campuses. Uh, increasingly, there are college campuses that have segregated dormitories because the progressives have decided that non-white students need safe spaces away from the whites. These people are modern segregationists. 
they're a bunch of racists. Racism, we're told, is bad, but not when progressives engage in it, apparently. Absolutely absurd. You should all be offended by this sort of stuff. All of you should be offended. I mentioned this the other day. To quote John Roberts, the way to stop engaging in discrimination is to stop discriminating. And yet these people are perfectly happy to continue discriminating in order to advance a progressive agenda that keeps people divided by race. It's not working. More and more people are seeing the light and realizing this really is insanity. We've got to give up. Some of the insanity that's out there is in the stock market right now with the the Fed deciding they may cut interest rates starting next year. They they didn't raise them yesterday. Um, People are feeling good about the economy. The stock market's racing, but yet you've got these regional banks that are having problems. You've got Wall Street having to deal with banks. You've got the government having to bail out banks. That's why Swiss America has been sounding the alarm about the secret war on cash. This assault on our freedoms with soaring interest rates, squeezing the economy, and banks teetering on collapse. Swiss America can educate you on ways to protect your hard-earned assets now. Go read their report, The Secret War on Cash. Your copy's free by calling or texting 800-289-2646. The all-out war on cash includes digital forms of currency. It's spreading daily. Go read The Secret War on Cash. It is completely free to you guys. I got a copy of it myself. You call or text my name, Eric Erickson, to 800-289-2646. 800-289-2646. You can go to SwissAmerica.com slash Eric. That's SwissAmerica.com slash E-R-I-C-K. Message and data rates may apply when you call or text my name to 800-289-2646. When we come back, the NDAA has passed. He's got the courage to tell you the truth, because the truth is what matters. You're listening to The Eric Erickson Show. Greetings and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number, 877-973-7425. If you want to be on the program, happy to have you with me. Um, Am I the only one who gets the ridiculous, like, text message spam now? I, I just, I got one. And I know you never respond to these things, never respond because it's a scam, but um, that's so annoying. Anyway, all right, I had to move on. The Defense Appropriation Act has uh, been passed by the House of Representatives. It heads to the president, the National Defense Authorization Act. It will increase the total national security budget 3% to $886 billion from last year's $858 billion. Usually gets broad bipartisan support. Conservatives have been trying to fight over uh, getting rid of the, uh, what is it, the the section, was it 702? I forget the exact number. Uh, Yeah, 702, the spying provision that the FBI has abused. They wanted to get rid of uh, Biden's abortion mandate in the military some of the woke policies that the Biden administration has employed, and everybody sold them out. Conservatives didn't get what they wanted. They are giving raises to uh, soldiers and sailors, a 5.2% pay raise for service members, military training assistance, Taiwan. But conservatives don't have the numbers to be able to pick the fights they want. 
I, I'm going to steer this hyper-local, just for those of you who complain, why is he talking about Georgia? Bear with me, because then I'm going to be talking about your states, too. So, and, and this is all tied to the NDAA. Just, just follow up. I am a professional. In Georgia, so Georgia has a continuing legislative session for two years. So when you end at the end of uh, a, a session in an odd-numbered year, that session carries over into the next year so that if uh, something was tabled or taken off the table, it can be resurrected very easily. You don't have to go through the whole process all over again. School choice is one of those issues. There are 17 or 18 Republicans in the State House of Representatives in Georgia who have refused to go along with the school choice matter. It's going to be resurrected. Now, the reason these 17 members, they're from rural South Georgia, all of them, all 17 are from South Georgia, in rural parts of the state where the local public school system is one of the biggest, if not the biggest, employers. And those school superintendents are upset. So these Republicans are scared that their local school superintendent or others may mount uh, campaigns against them, find people to run against them, and it's all about preservation. The Speaker of the House in Georgia supports school choice, and the Governor of Georgia does as well. I hope someone in leadership hears me on this. You need to bring up the school choice measure immediately and get it passed. Bring it up immediately. Because if you truly, as you say you do, support it, there are a couple of things that can happen. One is you pass nothing to benefit those members of the legislature opposing school choice until they support it. Because last year in the state legislature, the Metro Atlanta and suburban Atlanta Republicans supported a number of measures that the rural Republicans wanted, believing if they supported these measures, those rural Republicans would then support school choice. And then the rural Republicans stabbed them in the back and didn't support school choice after they got what they wanted. Don't do that again. Additionally, if you pass school choice early, and these people oppose it, they can be primaried. What typically happens on these controversial things is they drag out the matter until the end of the legislative session, until qualifying is over. That is, until the period to get on the ballot has ended. And then they allow them to vote against it, and by then you can't run a primary campaign against it. If the leadership in Georgia truly supports school choice, they need to get it passed before qualifying. We'll believe it when, they, when we see it. I bring that up because school choice is advancing with Democrats in Pennsylvania. Democrats in Pennsylvania are more likely to pass school choice than Republicans in Georgia, which is a damning indictment on the state of Georgia Republicans. And I bring it up because in Texas, the governor of Texas, Greg Abbott, could not get school choice passed in the Republican House representatives. And so the Republican governor of Texas has now endorsed primary opponents for every single member of the Republican-led House of Representatives who oppose school choice. Yes, the Republican governor in Texas is backing the primary opponents of Republicans who oppose school choice. He's making the next Republican primary cycle about school choice. The Republicans in Texas who opposed school choice were all backed by the teachers' unions, and Greg Abbott is going to campaign against them. Would Brian Kemp 
have the audacity to do the same thing? I hope he might. Will Speaker Burns in Georgia consider doing it? I hope he might. It's that big of a deal. You've got the Republicans in Tennessee passing school choice, the Republicans in Florida expanding it, the Democrats in Pennsylvania expanding it, the De- the Republicans in Iowa supporting it, the Republicans in Kansas supporting it, the Republicans in Oklahoma supporting it and expanding it. You've got all the Republicans except a handful in Texas supporting it. This is becoming a monumental issue for Republicans. And when you see the wokes in school systems everywhere, you should understand they need to advance school choice to allow parents a way out of the public government-run school system. It is the civil rights issue of our era, and it's one Republicans can lead on, and it's overwhelmingly favored by black moms. And right now you're thinking, Erickson, I know you mentioned you were out all night with friends. What the hell does school choice have to do with the National Defense Authorization Act? Everything. Politically. You see, conservatives in the House of Representatives are overwhelmingly outnumbered. My buddy Chip Roy fights the good fight, and he fights it regularly. And Chip Roy was unable to advance conservative interests with the NDAA because the the, the Republicans in the Senate ignored the concerns of conservatives, and the Republicans in the House ignored the concerns of conservatives because it was far more important to them to pass an NDAA than to fight for conservative principles. There are not enough conservatives. This is from the Wall Street Journal. Earlier this month, House and Senate lawmakers negotiated a final text of the bill using the versions that each chamber passed in the summer, a compromise that eliminated several provisions from conservative House members. Those lawmakers wanted the military's health care program to stop providing gender-related surgeries and hormone treatments for transgender people. They also cut a House provision that would have prohibited the Defense Department from paying for travel costs for service members who traveled to another state for an abortion in the wake of the 2022 Supreme Court ruling. The truth is the bulk of the bill had nothing to do with the social policy reforms that our conference is concerned about, but there's some things that you just can't reconcile between a divided Congress, said Mike Rogers, the squishy Republican from Alabama who leads the House Armed Services Committee. Mitch McConnell in the Senate said the final version of the legislation recognizes the need to strengthen America's position in strategic competition with China through targeted improvements to critical capabilities. The lack of inclusion of the social policy measures prompted protests from some Republicans. We are the United States of America, the strongest military force in the world, and it is time we start acting like that instead of funding gender transition surgeries, abortions, climate change, and radical gender ideology, said Representative Randy Weber on social media. Amen to Randy Weber. He's right. We are a very narrowly divided House of Representatives with... um, the Matt Gates maneuver on Kevin McCarthy. Kevin McCarthy's decided to leave. That's a two-vote majority for Republicans in the House. It is hard for them to get anything done. So I understand why they bailed on that stuff. What I don't understand is why they didn't try to fight it at all. They didn't. I understand there were going to be levels of compromise. I totally get there were going to be levels of compromise. I get it. 
but they didn't really fight at all. They have no incentive to fight. They have a two-seat majority, and they know they can rely on moderate Republicans and Democrats together to get things done, which is what they did. Time and time again, though, what we're seeing are the moderate Republicans being unwilling to side with conservatives. You know, ironically, the last time the moderates sided with conservatives, it was to cut the national budget, and that was when Matt Gates decided to sell out Kevin McCarthy and scrapped the whole thing. It would have been a big conservative win that moderates went along with, but then Matt Gates did what he did with Kevin McCarthy, broke it open, and they headed to a short-term spending resolution, and now we are reaping what Matt Gates sowed. And I know there are diehard conservatives who don't want to blame Matt Gates for anything, but when you shrink the majority and you earn moderate and conservative alliance on cutting the growth of Washington and then you do what he did, of, of course it ends badly for everybody. But I need to tell you Republican leaders something. You Republican members of the establishment, leadership Guys, at the state level, in Georgia, in Texas, at the federal level in Washington, y'all, it's going to end very badly for y'all if you don't give conservatives some wins. If you don't give conservatives wins, you're going to have the base of the party say to hell with this and stay home. If you can't give conservatives a win on school choice in Georgia, why should conservatives turn out for you? If you can't give conservatives wins on school choice in Texas, why should they turn out for you? And I will point out to you that Republicans, when the Democrats controlled the Senate and Republicans controlled the House, they were able to get sequestration and start cutting the size and scope of the federal government. Yes, they were. They were able to do that because the House Republicans fought, and they fought hard, and they were led by conservatives, and they worked with conservatives, and they got a win. you got to have to, even with a narrow House majority, start giving conservatives some wins. And if you're not willing and able to give conservatives those wins, well... I'm afraid conservatives aren't going to show up for you. This is just the reality. You've got to try to fight and be seen fighting. And you guys don't seem to do it. In Georgia, you need to set the school choice vote before qualifying. In Texas, you need to go beat these Republicans in primaries who have had people qualify against them in Washington you got to fight against the woke nonsense the Biden administration is doing in the military. You just have to. Now, you, I don't want you to have to fight lines for the holiday season. That's why I want you to go to Stamps.com. I am a 20-year business, well, a businessman, I guess. Going back to my, my days as a lawyer, I've used Stamps.com. You can print postage. You can get postage. You can ship packages without the line. I, I do this so much now where the, the post office comes or UPS comes and they pick up packages at my office and I've gotten a great rate. I found the fastest or the cheapest option and I've been able to arrange the pickup so I've never have to stand in line. The times that I stand in line, it's miserable and I don't want to do it. I had to go close a mailbox the other day and I had to stand in line at the post office and it was so 
I mean, people are coughing in there. You got people back in masks. You got the flu spreading. You got the wintertime COVID. You got all that stuff. You don't want to have to do that when you don't have to. All you do is go to Stamps.com. You click the microphone. You put in my name, Eric, and you start saving today with Stamps.com. You get free postage. You get a free digital scale. You don't have a long-term commitment. You do not have a contract to sign. You can stop any time. But in the meantime, if you got a computer and a printer, you print your labels, and you get UPS or the post office to come to your home or office, pick up your packages, ship them so you don't stand in line. It's a genius, genius thing to do. Stamps.com. You click on that microphone. You put in my name, Eric, E-R-I-C-K. You get a free digital scale. You get free postage, free limited time offer. You start shipping today. No contract to sign, no long-term commitment, and you bypass the lines. You get the fastest rates or the cheapest rates. You save up to 84% off post office UPS rates. You save your time, and you save your money with Stamps.com. He's got the courage to tell you the actual truth. Popular. It's the Eric Erickson Show. Join Eric's army of activists. Text ARMY to 33777 now. This hour of the program is brought to you by First Liberty Building and Loan. Wherever you are nationwide, they can help your business grow. Whether you're buying a building, building a building, buying a franchise, those are the deals they sort of specialize in. And they've been doing this since the 90s. So if you reach out to them at FirstLibertyGA.com, FirstLibertyGA.com, tell them I send you. Spend 10 minutes with them. See if they're fit for you, you for them. Banks are giving people to run around these days, particularly small businesses. You see opportunity? They do too. FirstLibertyGA.com. FirstLibertyGA.com. All right. uh, The phone number here, 877-973-7425, should you wish to be on the program. Uh, happy to have you with me today. Uh, I got a so this is this is not an ad. I just I got to commend my security company, Owen Security. Um, so I, I they they do this they do this thing. I've mentioned this to you before. The video thing around your house. We we've got these cameras around our house, and it's cool because like I've got it flagged. Like if there are animals like our deer in particular and walking through our backyard. It'll alert me and pull up the camera. We can recognize them. We can distinguish between like an Amazon truck and a FedEx truck. Well, in the late night, the cameras detect human beings. Now, I'll be honest with you. I, I, I had a dinner Tuesday night. It ended at 10. And then I actually, the entire show you heard yesterday, I had to pre-record it because I had a mandatory meeting yesterday. I didn't want a guest host because I'm stepping out for two weeks at the end of the year. It just felt like I was cheating on you to have a guest host when I'm about to go on vacation. So I stayed up until 1 o'clock in the morning, did the show at my office, and then I went home. And I went home until 1.30 in the morning. By 1.45, the police were at my front door knocking on the door because I had forgotten to turn the cameras off. That's how good that system is. They called the police, and they called me, and I my phone, it was after, it was after like 11 p.m. My phone was in do not stir mode, so it never actually rang my phone. They called. I just, it never rang the phone, and so they dispatched the police because there was somebody in the yard. It was me. I had gotten home. God bless them. The police officer was as nice as they could be. God bless them. They, it took me a minute to recognize the door was being knocked on. I showed up at the door. There's the police officer. I had not yet gotten in bed. I'd been in the bathroom. And they're like, we, we got alert. There was somebody in your yard. I was like, I am so sorry. It was me. I didn't turn off the security cameras. I should know better. But I just forget. I'm never like pulling up at 1.30 in the morning. But that system, thank you, Owen, security. And then the, the thing melted down. The, the, the system melted down. We... 
the house, we had a bad storm come through, and I guess we got water in the system, and they had to come fix it. And that guy was as nice as he could be. So thank you, Owen Security. I, I owe you one, um, keeping me safe. And again, it's not an ad. It's just y'all having the police show up at your house at 145 in the morning beating on the door. Um, it's something. But it tells you the system works. The system works. Now, when we come back, I want to spend some time with you on an op-ed in World Magazine on the coalition building that's happening on the right. Because I I keep having people have these conversations with me about, hey, what do you think of so-and-so? I'm like, you do realize that he's not actually on our side. And this is something conservatives have to grapple with more and more. we we got to discern who actually is with us in these fights. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.